I'm David Poyser, a journalist, and welcome to the 15th episode of PESPOD. The Insider's Guide to the PES Network, made for European PES. 2023 is the European Year of Skills. One question every PES is thinking about is the changes in the sorts of jobs we'll all be doing in the future. We've talked about recent trends to full employment as well as about the issues affecting the future of work. Digitalisation creating unemployment. Green jobs. The need for IT training. Employees expecting to work from home since Covid. I I could carry on with the list. Interestingly, the Latvian PES, the NVA, has recently done employer surveys looking at the sorts of new jobs needed in the future. They've also run conferences on these questions together with Latvian government ministers. Interestingly, 90% of Latvians surveyed felt that they needed more digital skills. So to discuss all these questions, we're very lucky to be with the head of the Latvian PES, Avita Simpsoning. Hello. And I'm also with Parshla Basco, a very respected consultant on these issues, who works closely with the Latvian PES. Hello, everyone. Hi, Basla. Hi. Evita, you spoke at your Future of Jobs 22 conference alongside the Prime Minister and other senior government ministers. What do you think of the takeaway lessons from that conference for other European pairs? Uh, yes, uh, uh, during the conference in 2021, uh, five recommendations were proposed for Latvia, for uh, not only for Latvian PES, but uh, for Latvian labor market improvements. And if we now look back, uh, we can say that our homework best done is a new initiative that we launched together with our partners uh, to foster upskilling and reskilling of our clients by uh, offering a broad range of international training courses. And in this year's conference, uh, Future of Job 2022, uh, 20 local and international experts share their vision on how to promote skills development for companies and individuals. And the main takeaway from this year's conference uh, was that uh, it um, it all uh, person it's mostly personal uh, responsibility to be upskilled or updated for uh, for new trends uh, in a labor market and uh, we all must be motivated flexible and passionate with uh, new skills and learning has become a part of our daily life pastor you're very good at making people passionate what do you think about the conference Well, I've had an honor to host it together with my co-host. And to be honest, I was so amazed by the quality of the speakers, but also the quality of content. Meaning, I think everyone who was listening into that specific conference could get so cool insights on what you could potentially do, both from the business side, but also what are the opportunities countries actually do offer all across the world. So I think this is, as we have said also before, skills is the new fuel or the new gold. And we definitely see that uh, trend uh, raising up. But don't you think people like you have been saying skills has been the future for the last 20 years? How do we make it happen? 
Uh, yes, that's the good question. I think we see the movement happening uh, both uh, from the state side, where we, at least in Latvia, we see the school reform has already uh, been undertaken, and we also see organizations paying so much more attention to that question. If I would go out to organizations uh, even 10, 15 years ago and talk about skills, they would probably think of me as someone who is trying to sell courses. Nowadays, uh, it has changed. The awareness is much more higher than ever before. Well, that's fantastic news. I think it is, yeah. Um, I mentioned the employer surveys you've done in the introduction, Evita. Yes. Is there anything that worried you about them? Do you think employers are thinking the right things? Yeah, what we worried about that not enough employers focus on uh, upskilling their employees now and... Uh, if we talk about big companies, there the situation is better. But if we talk about SMEs, uh, then the, just few of them uh, now focus on upskilling the, the existing labor force in, in companies. So when we say SMEs, we mean small and medium-sized enterprises. Yes, exactly, yeah. yes. Pastor, what did you think about the employer surveys? Were you surprised? I'm never surprised with the surveys, meaning I think yeah, they, they just tell the story. And if the data says that the larger organizations are better at this, it only means that they have already seen uh, some trouble, whereas maybe smaller organizations are still able to attract the talent they need. So no surprise in that sense, but uh, I'm very uh, curious actually also to maybe hear more from Evita uh, what uh, type of organizations were surveyed because I guess it would be different from the industry to industry as well. So what about that, Evita? Yeah, the, our survey was um, holistic and it's uh, not not be asked only just concrete sectors or, or companies. And But what we can see that it's, I think we all know that ICT sector is, they are the very good on uh, training programs, uh, in-house training programs as well. But we can say about, for example, for manufacturers, uh, they are not so good in uh, training programs or, or upskilling programs for our for their employees. And what we can say that uh, manufacturer sector is uh, one of the sectors who um, mostly will be uh, impacted from automation and uh, they react uh, proactively they before they buy the new machines and only after that they start to think about the people who can work with those machines and they don't think about the existing labor force maybe they can uh, upskill them and keep them on on the companies pastor what's your observation on this well, I actually wanted to jump in and say to Evita, but hey, they are buying new equipment, which is usually <laughs> robots or automatic yeah, yeah, yeah. where you actually have to have skills. But you're probably right that that concern about how we're going to operate that machine maybe comes a bit late in the journey. But otherwise, uh, I guess that the manufacturers just have to now upskill their workforce because specifically in this region, manufacturing has been so manual labored that uh, there is no way back. They cannot uh, just go and get some other workers who are skilled. So they will need to reskill their own. Yeah, past the world, we're talking... Um, can you tell us about platform learning systems 
you know, what they are and how to get people to take them up? Well, uh, I think they are very useful. They specifically in this region became very popular uh, when COVID uh, hit everyone and the people were forced to move to home offices. We really saw the rise, specifically in our clients' uh, learning patterns. Uh, this just was very popular way of learning. Still, uh, to be honest, I don't think that they can survive alone. Uh, I truly believe in the blended learning where you have to uh, mix and match different learning methods together. So there are some which are very popular. Uh, I think all, all, everyone knows the names like Coursera or LinkedIn or Udemy or any other favorite uh, platform in the world. They are also here. And Evita, what do you think about platform learning systems? Are there any lessons for other European pairs, do you think? It, uh, it was very useful for COVID pandemic time and it was uh, very good for our clients with higher education or higher qualification because there they can find something useful for them to raise their skills or awareness for future uh, labor uh, needs or, or employment needs. And uh, yeah, we, we have very good cooperation with Coursera and Google. And now it's uh, very open for not only for our registered uh, clients as unemployed people, but also for those who are still in the labor market and, and uh, will improve their skills in, in some concrete uh, uh, way or, or, or yeah. Yeah. And if I may add, I think the learning platforms have really democratized uh, the learning itself, meaning uh, I wouldn't imagine taking a Harvard course or MIT course five years ago without going there. Now I can do that uh, freely online. So that definitely has uh, brought uh, quite a wide range of new and interesting knowledge uh, also to different parts of the world. Um. What about labour market forecasting? Everybody's trying to forecast all the time and it's never perfect. Evita, do you think there's any lessons? Are we better at doing it now? Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah, hear it's... by the pause in your voice. It's a difficult question. <laughs> it's very, very difficult. We speak a lot about uh, about uh, future uh, needs of, uh, and, and future yeah. skills, but we we don't know exactly what what specifically what will be the, those future skills. And I think we we should be very open minded and. If we are good in uh, in digital skills and if we are good in uh, languages and in uh, soft skills as in communication, then I think we we will survive. <laughs> Parsley, maybe the answer is always to pay more consultants. Uh, you, know, you know, consultants always say it depends. Yeah. And I guess I could do the same also here. But uh, whenever we talk to the employers, there are two types of uh, responses. One is we simply go with the flow and the world will show us where we need to improve. And the other ones are very much saying that uh, we take for granted that people entering the labor market already do have digital skills. So specifically for younger generations, what is important from the employers is to give them a certain level of knowledge when it comes to the people skills, 
like communication, like self-leadership, like uh, any other of the skills which require talking to other people. So this is where I see, um, at least from investment side, where organizations will continue investing. And Pastor, whilst while we're talking, obviously digital training is important. Everybody agrees that on paper. Is there any help you can give the sorts of digital training that will be useful? The trends? Hey, uh, digital uh, trainings are uh, very widely offered. Uh, I think we see it in all the portfolios of most of the uh, organizations that uh, uh, do any kind of the trainings. Uh, where I see a bit of a struggle is that those digital solutions and languages of the programming are developing so quickly that at the day when you get your certificate, the knowledge might be already old. So what at least I see most of the programmers or people uh, actively working with the digital systems doing, they do a lot of self-learning. They practice and they learn uh, from uh, their daily habits. And I think this is something what I also heard in the beginning of this podcast. Uh, either you, David, I think, said that about 90% of people believe that it's important. I think it's not about believing, it's about doing. Exactly. So... Evita, you've had a lot of success with government. Obviously, different PEZs have different relationship with their government. Um, but your government's been listening to you. Any advice to other PEZs or how to work with government or how to make governments listen to these problems? I mean, we've all agreed on, as Pastor says, we've all agreed on the problem. That's been agreed. But how to make governments do things? Uh, yeah, it's uh, yes, I, I can agree. We have very quite a good dialogue with uh, with government and with politicians. And uh, if we if you have arguments and if you can show that the issue is very important, and uh, if you are good on your arguments, then uh, I think yeah, you can work uh, very good and very close with with them. So when you talk to the government, make sure you have a lot of facts with you, a lot of good arguments. Yeah, I think I think it's very important. And if you, you because I am a practitioner, and I will I will say and I will show how it uh, how the policies work uh, in in uh, daily life from practical side. One <laughs> <laughs> one thing is even university graduates, as I understand it. Within something like two years after graduating, 17% of them in Latvia are already involved in various further training. Is that right? Yeah. From our statistics, we saw that 17% of graduates uh, are involved in various training activities. Pastor, is this a problem? Any final thoughts? I mean, if 17% of people who learnt ancient Greek or Latin at universities are then retraining in computers, that's probably a good thing, isn't it? Well, I think it has been a great uh, actually to have that number because that means that those uh, young people have been brave enough to say that maybe they did the wrong choice with choosing the education and now they are trying to improve or to get to that work which would be uh, fulfilling them for the rest of their lives. So I think it's always good that uh, someone can stand up and say, hey, it's not enough, I want to have more or I want to have something else. Uh, that gives me a belief that uh, we as a country can still develop uh, and uh, raise up uh, cool uh, young talent. So 
following on from career change for Latvians then, and it's probably jumping ahead to the next episode of PESPOD, which will be about Ukraine. Latvians, of course, quite close to Ukraine. Briefly, what's been the effect of Ukrainian refugees, people fleeing the war on the Latvian PES? How have you coped? Uh, yeah, we have in Latvia more than 30,000 uh, Ukrainian uh, people now. Sorry, could you give some idea uh, in terms of the population of Latvia or the number of people looking for jobs, 30,000? That's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a lot. We are less than 2 million uh, inhabitants in Latvia and uh, 30,000, it's a lot for us. And yeah. But uh, f- we, so to- we think that uh, ob- about uh, 10,000 are in a Latvian labor market and uh, 56% of them are uh, continuous employment relation with the employer where they got a job uh, first of all. That's amazing. That's over half, isn't it? They come in yeah, and the first job yeah. has worked out. In a, in a in a very beginning, in a March, many employers were very optimistic Then they think they can solve all the uh, labor force uh, issues or problems with Ukrainian uh, people but uh, but uh, it's uh, it's known I think uh, they are mostly women with uh, kids and the vacancies mostly in uh, in uh, fields like construction or logistics or transportation and uh, fields like that so well done to Latvia That's a relatively high proportion of jobs found for refugees in less than a year. So now, Parsler, has the refugees' lack of commitment to long-term employment been a problem? What are the future trends you think we'll see across Europe? Now I need to become a fortune teller, I think. But uh, meaning what we see... uh, You're a consultant. You are a fortune teller. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, one obvious... uh, trend currently is that everyone is uh, waiting and hoping that the war will be over rather sooner than later because what David already said is that what we uh, have uh, seen entering Latvian labor market are women with the smaller children and uh, their men are still back there fighting for their country and I think that will be a very interesting uh, moment uh, when the war is over, how the workforce will flow. Will we expect and see uh, people going back home and trying to restore their country, or they will want to move uh, further away? Uh, because some of the organizations we have been working with who are recruiting people from Ukraine, uh, that's exactly what they also uh, see and hear. Those who are fleeing away, they want to get as far as possible. Uh, those who are here to wait for the war to be over expect to return uh, whenever it will be possible. So I think it will still shake the labour market. Well, that's um, brilliant. I'm afraid I'd love to carry on chatting to you both forever. Uh, so thanks, Evita. Thank you. And thanks, Pashla. That's really, that's a lot to think about. You're welcome, David. So, as I said earlier, the next episode of PESPOD will continue this discussion about refugees from Ukraine. I'll be talking once again with Johannes Kopf, who you may remember, he's head of the Austrian PES, but more importantly, he's chair of the PES network. So Johannes has an overview of the issue across European PES. Also chatting with us, again from the front line, so to speak, will be Eva Flaszynska, who's director of the Labour Market Department in Poland, 
and she's also an alternate member of the PES Network Board. So how do they overcome language problems? Are the refugees from Ukraine looking for short-term jobs, perhaps unrealistically hoping and expecting to be back in the Ukraine in a few weeks? Listen to the next PESPOD episode to find out the answers to these questions. There's also links on the PESPOD show notes to the conferences that we mentioned earlier in this episode and the data which we talked about. Don't forget the PES Network Shareholder Conference later this year on the 30th of March, which will highlight the European Year of Skills. As ever, we're hoping this podcast will build a sense of community in PES networks across Europe. So if you have any comments on PESPOD, there's an email which I'm going to spell for you, empl-pes-secretariat at ec.europa.eu. That's empl-pes-secretariat at ec.europa.eu. And you can leave comments there, and the emails are also on the PESPOD show notes. So who would you like us to interview? Just email us and tell us. What would you like us to interview them about? Just email us and tell us. PESPOD is produced for the PES Network by the European Commission with technical support from Econ Institute. The technical producer is Mark Botter. Looking forward to next time.